0: Scripture speaks in many ways the Holy Spirit works in our lives. For instance, and here's just a list Um, if you have time to write them down, you can if not, you can get them later. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit the regeneration of the Holy Spirit the indwelling of the Holy Spirit the filling of the Holy Spirit the leading of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit the illumination of the Spirit where He teaches us from the Word the gifting of the Holy Spirit where He enables us to serve Jesus, the The empowering of the Holy Spirit where He makes us able to lead people to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The sanctification of the Spirit where He makes us more like Jesus. The adoption of the Spirit where He confirms in our heart that truly we are born again. And the intercession of the Spirit where He helps us to pray and intercede even when we do not have words to speak or know how to pray in that time. Now if you are a disciple of Jesus, you have already experienced at least some of these. You are saved because the Holy Spirit reached out to you to convict you of your sin. Without the Holy Spirit first reaching out to you to convict you of your sin, you never would have acknowledged the fact that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. You wouldn't have understood the fact that apart from Christ you were guilty and you would not have seen the need to turn to Jesus so that you could receive His righteousness in your life. When you followed that conviction to cry out to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit regenerated you. He were, you were born again, as Jesus says in John three. Paul says regeneration in Titus chapter three. He, that's where He made you into a new creation. You're not the same. You are a new person because of what the Holy Spirit has done in you and through you and for you. And at the whole at that that moment, the Holy Spirit also came to live inside of you, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He is in you as a believer. In Jesus Christ. Now sadly though. This is as much of the Holy Spirit. As many people ever experience. And this is sad. Because we are meant to experience. The fullness of the Spirit. That's not a full list. Of all the Spirit does. In us and through us and for us. That's just a, a partial list. And so we as disciples of Jesus. We are meant to experience. All of that. And all that Scripture says. The Holy Spirit does. We are meant to have the fullness Of the spirit. In our life. We are. Meant to be filled with the spirit. We are meant to be led of the spirit. We are meant to bear. The fruit of the spirit. We're meant to be taught. By the spirit. We're meant to find and use. The gifts the spirit has given us. We're meant to be empowered. By the spirit. We're meant to be sanctified. By the spirit. We're meant to be certain. Of our salvation. Through the adoption of the spirit. We are meant to pray. In and through the spirit. Now, for those who would be able to say they're a disciple of Jesus but have not experienced, and, and, and not just a one-time experience, these are meant to be the constant experience of our lives as disciples of Jesus. And so if if we are here and we say, I have never experienced anything beyond conviction and indwelling, I, I don't know that I've ever experienced i felt like I was filled. I've never been led. I, I don't see the fruit of the Spirit. I've never been taught by the Spirit. I've never seen those things in my life. Or I've seen them in the past, but I don't see them on a regular basis. For those of us that, that may say that, we have to understand. The problem is not with Scripture. Scripture is right. That is meant to be our experience in life. The problem is not with the Spirit. The Spirit does all of these things in and through every believer of Jesus Christ. Problem is with us. And the problem breaks down in the area of being filled with the Spirit. Right? that's where the problem is. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we don't do anything about that. The Holy Spirit just does that. The Holy Spirit just regenerates us. We don't do anything with that. The Holy Spirit just lives inside of us. We don't do anything to cause that to happen. But after the indwelling, from the filling on, there is something we are meant to do. They are dependent on our being filled with the Spirit. So if I'm not Spirit-filled, I will not be Spirit-led. If I'm not Spirit-filled, the fruit of the Spirit will not be evident in my life. If I'm not Spirit-filled, the Holy Spirit will not teach me from the Word. If I'm not Spirit-filled, I will not know and use my gifts that the Holy Spirit has given me. If I'm not Spirit-filled, I won't be empowered by the Spirit to share the Gospel and lead people to Jesus. If I'm not Spirit-filled, I'll not experience the sanctification of the Spirit. I will stagnate spiritually and will not change. If I am not filled with the Spirit, I'll never be certain of my salvation. I will always wonder if i am truly been born again. And if I'm not filled with the Spirit, my prayers will not be all that they're meant to be because the Holy Spirit will not pray in me and through me. Every disciple of Jesus is meant to experience the fullness of the Spirit. And experiencing the fullness of the Spirit requires us to be filled with the Spirit. Open your Bible this morning. Let's look at that. Ephesians five and eighteen it should be page eight hundred ninety-eight in a pew Bible. When you find that, I'm going to you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Ephesians five and eighteen, and be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The title of the message is, Be Filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We are thankful for the Holy Spirit that does come to do such great things in us and through us and for us. Father, we, I know I confess, Lord, that I, I want more of the Spirit. And I want the Spirit to have more of me. Father, I want the fullness of the Spirit constantly, consistently, always in my life. I don't want to walk in the flesh. I don't want to serve in the flesh. I don't want to do anything apart from Your Spirit's empowering and leading and guiding. So, Father, today, speak to me. Take this and and speak it to my life. Challenge me in how I walk in the Spirit. Challenge me in how I am filled with the Spirit and in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. But, Father, I know it's not just me. Father, our, our church... We need more of Your Spirit in our life. We, we need this experience of the Spirit teaching us and leading us and empowering us and sanctifying us and praying through us, Father. We, we need to be filled with the Spirit so that we can have, if nothing else, the kind of impact we're meant to have on our community. Lord, we look in the Bible at the book of Acts. And 120 disciples on the day of Pentecost And just a few years later, the Romans were saying they have turned the world upside down. Father, you're not any different. The message has not changed. But Lord, there is a lessening of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There is a a less dependence on the Holy Spirit in our day. And we repent of that and we ask you to guide us to turn from our our self-reliance. To turn from our, our mindset that fears The work of the Spirit in our lives that sees it as weird and strange. Forgive us, God, for for ceding the Holy Spirit to those who, who are crazy and do excessive things in the name of the Spirit that clearly do not come from Your Spirit. Guide us to be a church that would stand on the Word and say what the Bible says the Spirit does in me, through me, and for me. That's what He does and I want it in my life. Fill me today, Holy Spirit, and guide me and give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Help me to speak the word the way it ought to be spoken. I don't want to be a hindrance in any way. Work and draw us to Jesus. Draw us closer to Jesus. Fill us with the Spirit. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, in this passage, there are two commands. A negative and a positive. The negative command, don't be drunk. The positive command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, drunkenness was a major problem among the Gentiles in the Roman Empire, just as it is a problem in our day. But the major emphasis on this passage is not on alcohol, not on not be drunk. The major emphasis is on be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul's main idea is, rather than be filled with alcohol, rather than be controlled by liquor, be filled with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit control your life. Disciples of Jesus are meant to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, Spirit-controlled. One of my commentaries said that Baptists tend to focus on more on the don't be drunk than on the be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he went on to say he's had a lot more problems with non-Spirit-filled Baptists than he has with drunks. I thought that was kind of funny. Now, in a lot of ways, what we see in verse 18 is meant to be a contrast between what controls us. Because there is a sense in which alcohol controls a person. Not directly, necessarily, but by lowering natural gates. Think of it like this. Under normal conditions, everyone knows there are certain ways we're not supposed to act, certain things we're not supposed to say, certain things we're not supposed to do. Things that are just unacceptable. But what alcohol does is alcohol lowers those gates, and that's how it controls it. It lowers those gates and allows a person to live in the way that they, the kind of their, their base nature would want to live. Right? When I was in the army, I knew a lot of drunks. And one thing I learned about every one of them... Is that the things they said, the things they did when they were drunk, it was reflective of who they really were. And who they wanted to be, but they knew they couldn't be. Right? I had one friend that was, um, he had been on the army karate team. And when he would get drunk, he was violent. He would start fights and he would beat people badly. And he would always say, well it was alcohol that made him do it. But when you got to talking to him, what you found out was, he was an angry person. He, he wanted to just pick fights and knock people out. But he knew that wasn't acceptable. And so he didn't do it. But when the alcohol lowered the gate, that anger and that violence came out. I had another friend that when he would get drunk, he would use racial slurs. But the reality was alcohol didn't make him a racist. He was already a racist. And what the alcohol did was lowered the natural gates that kept that in. And so he would say things he knew he couldn't say when he was sober. A person who is drunk is more likely to live out their base nature and live out the actions of the flesh enlisted in Galatians 5. And by the same token, a person who is filled with the Spirit is going to live out their new nature by bearing the fruit of the Spirit and experiencing the fullness of the Spirit. Alcohol brings us down. The Holy Spirit lifts us up. As believers in Jesus Christ, as disciples, we are not to be brought down to our base carnal nature we are to to ever spiral up to Christ's likeness and it is the holy spirit that lifts us up and enables us to be like Jesus we cannot be like Jesus apart from the filling of the holy spirit in our lives now we are never commanded in scripture to be convicted by the holy spirit We're never commanded in the Scripture to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. We're never commanded to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Because these are works, sovereign works of God who does this in our lives. He convicts. He uses the Spirit. works through the Spirit to convict us. He regenerates us. And these happen apart from us. But notice the wording when it comes to being filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Right? This is a, 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 it has three characteristics. Sorry, I got lost my track on my notes. There's three, three characteristics of this statement. First is, it is a command. We are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not optional. This isn't be filled with the Holy Spirit if you would like more. This is be filled with the Spirit. Right? We are obligated to do what we can in order to be filled by the Spirit. It also means, since it's a command, it means that it is God's will. God wants every one of us to be spirit-filled people. We are, He, His desire, His will, His want is that we would be filled with the Spirit, and we would experience the fullness of the Spirit. The second characteristic of this command is that it's in the, the plural form. Like meaning Paul's not talking. To a select group of super saints. He is talking to all disciples of Jesus at Ephesus. By extension. The whole church is meant to be filled with the Spirit. Not just a small section. That's what Peter meant on the day of Pentecost. When he said that the gift of the Holy Spirit was for everyone that God would call. If you have been called to salvation through Jesus Christ. You are meant to have the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit. Every disciple of Jesus has the opportunity and the privilege and really the responsibility to be Spirit-filled. Everything Scripture talks about as part of what the Holy Spirit does in us, through us, and for us is for all believers. Not a select group, all believers. And then the final characteristic is that it's in the present tense. It's not be filled with the Spirit, one and done. It's not... Come to the altar at the end of the service and pray to be filled with the Spirit and then never think about it again. It is meant to be a, a continuous thing. We are to continually be filled with the Spirit. I like how the Amplified Bible says it. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Right? It could say, but be being filled. The picture is that it is all the time. We are to always be filled. We need this constantly. It's like filling your car with gas. Do you fill your car with gas and then never fill it up again? No, we fill it up, and then we have to fill it up again and again and again. In a similar way, we cannot expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit today and that to stay forever. We have to be filled again and again and again. We see this all throughout Scripture, particularly in the book of Acts. And I'm just going to use a few verses, but notice this. This is before Jesus ascended. He said to his disciples, he's, he's died, he's risen, and he says, he breathes on him, he says, receive the Holy Ghost. Right? So, So they have received the Holy Spirit here. Is this a one-time thing, they never do that again? Well, no. Because in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Pentecost, there's that. Now, that's forever. Well, in Acts 4, Peter was called to give an account for something, and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke something. And then later in the chapter, they prayed, and after they prayed, they were again filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's just a few verses. We can go all through. I just finished reading through the book of Acts in my daily Bible reading. All through the book of Acts, it is repeated. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over. If the apostles who saw Jesus and knew Jesus needed a continual filling of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? So it is continually We are meant to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And the filling of the Holy Spirit is something that is necessary so that we can experience the fullness of the Spirit. So our key truth today is I must be filled with the Spirit to experience the fullness of the Spirit. And I I was going to give three actions to take. But I don't know that you can give three actions to take because the wording, while it is a command, it's also a passive verse, passive voice, right? It's like, well, to put it in like a call, it wouldn't be saying, call your mom. It's more like, be called by your mom. Well, you can't make that happen even though that's the command given. That's the idea. Be filled with the Spirit isn't that we reach out and we grab the Spirit and we pull Him down to us. So that we are to be filled and He does it. So what do we do? How can we make sure we're ready so that we can be filled by the Spirit? We have to, I think, answer at least three questions. Right? We have to answer the first question, do I really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Right? Before we will ever experience the filling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we must settle in our minds that we really want this. But right. I, I mentioned several ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And again, that's just a few. we couldn't cover them all in a few minutes. But do we really I mean do we really want ah, too far back, do we really want all those things to happen in our life? Do we really want the Holy Spirit to do those? The reality is some people don't. My brother had a friend and they were talking about some of the things the Holy Spirit does, and, and my brother said, I, "I want that, don't you?" And the guy said, no. No, I don't. He was comfortable where he was in his life. Because we'll talk about it in a minute, but when the Holy Spirit fills us, he doesn't just fill us to leave us the same. I mean, it's going to change things. It, it makes a difference in our lives and how we live and who we are and how we act. Do I want that? Do I really want all that the Holy Spirit can bring into my life? And I have to want it because Jesus told this. He said, in the last day, the great, the last, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried with any man's, Thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Spirit, which they believe in him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But notice Jesus says that if they they have to thirst and they have to come in order to receive. In order to be filled with the Spirit and have all of the rest of the fullness of the Spirit, we have to. To really want that. But the want for it isn't just a. Gee that would be so cool. Kind of a want. It must be more of a. I mean thirst. A longing. A desire. I must have the filling of the spirit. I must have more of God. I must have the fullness of the spirit. In my life. I can't make it. Without it. And as long as we think we're okay without it. We will be okay without it. Because we won't get it. As long as we're trying to substitute the Holy Spirit for something else for the Holy Spirit, we will never experience the filling and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So long as we are content to convince ourselves that we have the filling and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, despite a lack of evidence to the filling and fullness of the Holy Spirit, we will never experience the filling and fullness of the Holy Spirit. Only when we get to the place where we say, I must Have this. I must be filled with the Holy Spirit. I must have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's only in that time that we will experience the filling and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus goes on to say, "Those who receive this are not only those who thirst for it, but they they come to Him." I mean, there's a definite picture of seeking it in this passage. He he's saying they come and they ask and they desire it. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not automatic. Now, conviction is automatic. God does that. The the regeneration is automatic. The indwelling is automatic. But once we get to being filled with the Holy Spirit, well, that fullness, that filling, if we don't seek it, if we don't come to Jesus, if we don't want it, we don't get it. Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, ask, seek, and knock. Right? Remember that story? And He says, and if... You, if, if your child comes to you and asks for bread, you're not going to give him a rock. To come and ask for fish, you're not going to give him a serpent. Now if you, he says, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to what? To those who ask Him. There's a definite, clear teaching in Scripture that we must ask. We must seek for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We must want it and we must cry out. Out for it. Every disciple of Jesus who wants the filling and fullness of the Holy Spirit can receive it. But they have to want it enough to really yearn for it, to thirst for it. They have to want it enough to seek Jesus for it. Do you want the filling and the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Then cry out to Jesus for it. We live in a dark and a dying world that desperately needs to see something real from God. We are not going to be able to give them anything real that will draw them to Jesus apart from the filling and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We must, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, do I believe I can be filled with the Holy Spirit? So do I want it? And again, some would say no. And do I believe it's possible? And again, some would say no. Do we really believe the Holy Spirit can fill us and do in us and through us and for us all the things that Scripture says He will? Right? So, like, do I believe the Holy Spirit can and will, not just can, but can and will empower me to overcome sin? Do I really believe the Holy Spirit can and will help me to pray? Do I really believe the Holy Spirit can and will fill my heart with God's love? It's an overabundance of God's love. Do I really believe the Holy Spirit can and will empower me to share the gospel? Do I really believe the Holy Spirit can and will teach me from scripture? Do I really believe the Holy Spirit can and will produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Do I really believe the Holy Spirit can and will help me to be more like Jesus do I really believe the Holy Spirit can and will empower me to serve Jesus? Do I really believe the Holy Spirit can and will give me hope and then renew my hope? Do you really believe those things are, are possible? Right? Again, those are all in the Bible. You can go look up the references. And I've made reference before at times to believing the Bible is real and believing it's right. Right? And, and right and real are not the same thing. To believe it's right would be like, yes, the Bible says the Holy Spirit makes me more like Jesus. To believe it's real is, yes, the Holy Spirit will make me more like Jesus. And the fact is, for many believers today, they believe the Bible is right. Yes, it says that. Yes, that's what it means. But is it real? Ah, that's more of a pie in the sky. That's the way things should be. But the world is different. It doesn't work that way anymore kind of thing. Do we believe the Bible is right and it's real. And that the Holy Spirit can do these things in our lives. Now, the reality is we have to. Look at what Jesus says. He says, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe, you shall receive them and you shall have them. Now we're familiar with James saying that you have not because you ask not. But Perhaps if we took what Jesus says in Mark with what James says in James, we could say that we have not because we Believe not. I mean, the reality is there are lots of people who would say, I I don't believe the Holy Spirit actually does these things. I think that was for a time, but not now. I think things are different. But do we believe it? Do we really believe what Scripture describes as being a part of the filling and fullness of the Spirit? Do we really believe it's real? That it can happen today in us? Do we really believe what the Scripture describes as being part of the filling and fullness of the Spirit is possible for us? Not for somebody out there somewhere, but for us. Again, the dark and the dying world desperately needs disciples of Jesus who are living in the fullness of the Spirit. And we have to believe it. Jesus said at one point, Be it unto you according to your faith. One author I read called that the law of the kingdom. You get what you believe. That's something, right? So if I am content to believe this isn't real or it isn't right, then I will be content to live without it. But if I can believe what the Bible says, then I should experience all the Bible says is mine because of what Christ has done. We must be filled with the Spirit if we are to be, experience the fullness of the Spirit. And that requires us to believe the filling and fullness of the Spirit is a real thing. It's available to us today. And then finally, am I ready to serve Jesus? But again, all of these are, are really important questions. Do I, do I want the filling and the fullness of the Spirit? Do I believe in the filling and the fullness of the Spirit? Then you get to the last question, because what's the point? Why does Jesus fill us with the Spirit? Well, it's so that we can serve Him. The vast majority of what the Holy Spirit does in us, and through us and for us, is equips us and enables us to serve Jesus. Now we probably think about this when we talk about things like empowered to share the gospel or finding and using our spiritual gifts, becoming like Jesus, but it's more than that. There is nothing that the Bible says the Holy Spirit does that we're not meant to do as an act of service to Jesus, right? So let me give you an example. Through the Spirit. Uh, We're talking about that on Wednesday nights. But have you ever thought about the fruit of the Spirit in relation to serving Jesus? So we're just going to look at one because we don't have time to look at all of them. The Holy Spirit produces love. But what, for what purpose? What kind of love? Well, we, we've learned on Wednesday night that it's an agape love. It's the kind of love that God has for us. Well, that's challenging, right? So if I, if I have that kind of love in my life, what's going to happen? Am I just going to sit around and feel good? Think positive thoughts about people? Am I just going to love my, my wife and my kids and my church family? Well, no, I'm going to love who God loves. I'm going to love who Jesus loves. Well, who does Jesus love? Well, Jesus loves the world. And who's in the world? Well, the world is filled with Christians and Muslims and Buddhists and homosexuals and transgender people and illegal immigrants. And Jesus loves all of them. And if the Holy Spirit's producing love in me, guess what I'll do? I'll love all of them as well. But I won't just love them in a way that says, oh, I don't hate them, and I don't think the bad happened to them. No, because that's not what Jesus' love is. Jesus loved, and he came down from the safety and this glory of heaven to earth, to where we were. So if I I love people, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave my comfort zone. I'm going to leave my safety places, and, and I'm going to go to where they are. For what purpose? Jesus came to die for our sins. Now, we're probably not going to die for people. Do you think we might have to die to ourselves for their sake? you think we might have to die to our preferences, our comfort, our, 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 our desires? Do you think we might have to die to putting ourselves first and put others ahead of ourselves? Well, sure, if we love like Jesus loves, that's, that's exactly what we'll do. So we pray, God, let the fruit of the Spirit be evident in my life. Well, Are you willing? To serve Jesus by loving the way He loves? Or are you willing to love like that and do what He did? And we can go through all of the fruit of the Spirit in that way. And if we want, yes, I want to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, I want that I believe it's possible. Well, once the Holy Spirit puts that love within us, are you ready to go and love the people Jesus loves the way that Jesus loves? Loves them. That's a big question. But it's not just in the fruit of the Spirit either. It's in the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. So we pray, O Holy Spirit, open my eyes. I will behold wondrous things out of the Word as we study. But for what purpose? For what point? Just to know more? Scripture says knowledge puffs up. So it can't be just to make us smarter so that we can think we're better than others. What's the point of the Holy Spirit showing us new things out of Scripture? So that we'll do the new things He's showing us, right? I will, I will keep it. I shall observe it with my whole heart. I shall keep it unto the end. So you say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes so I would understand the Word. Well, whatever He shows us, there's going to be something that we're meant to do with that. Are you ready at that moment when the Holy Spirit reveals something you haven't noticed before to get up and go and do, be a doer of the Word no matter what that is? Well, we have to be because that's what the Holy Spirit reveals things to us for. So that we can get up and go and do the things the Word says. And it's even very personal things. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Part of what the Holy Spirit does is enable us to to conquer our sinful nature, our sinful desires. But do we want that? The reality is there are a lot of people in the world and they want to be saved from the punishment of sin. I mean, they do not want to go to hell. They've read about it. Smoke of their torments rising forever and ever. Terrible, terrible thing. I don't want that. Save me from my condemnation. They don't want to get out of their sin. That they don't want to put their sin to death and never pick it up again. But when the Holy Spirit, He empowers us, He is going to empower us to put it to death and never do it again. Right? So are we willing for the Holy Spirit to empower me to put to death my anger that causes me to lash out at times? And, and I actually put it down. Not just make me forgiven for it, but get away from it. Change me so that I resist it and I put it down. Are we willing, do we want the Holy Spirit to empower us so that we can conquer our sinful lust, And we won't look at pornography, we won't be fornicators, we won't do sexual sins, but we will truly get away from those things. Do we want the Holy Spirit to empower us so that we can stop gossiping and not tell things that we shouldn't tell and not be slanderers of other people? See, that's what He does. He he doesn't just fill us to make us feel good. It's to do something in the process. Do we want to put to death the deeds of the flesh and truly be free, as Jesus said, from the power of sin in our lives? Not just free from penalty. Free from its power. Put it to death and live a holy life unto Christ for the Father's glory. We have to. We have to want that. And there are, there are so many other ways this would play out, but the principle is always the same. The filling and the fullness of the Spirit is always given so that we can do what God would have us to do. Think of it like a car. If you're going to drive a car to the junkyard and leave it and let it sit. And it was empty on gas. How much gas would you put in there? Would you, if it was just at Hooker, would you fill it full to drive it to Hooker and then leave it with a full tank of gas? Or would you put in just enough so that if all works out right, it sputters at the opening of the gate and just kind of goes, and coasts in and you've used all of it up. None of us are going to fill, something, fill a car with gas and then just let it set and not use it. We fill the gas in there so the car will go somewhere and do what it's created to do. Why would God fill us with his Holy Spirit that energizes us and equips us for us to set and do nothing? He wouldn't. He fills us so that we can go and do the things that he wants us to do. The world desperately needs disciples of Jesus who are fully devoted to Jesus, ready to do his will no matter what. And that requires the filling and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we must be willing to serve Jesus. We must be willing to do what he would have us to do, because if we're not, we will not receive the filling and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. My hero of the faith, D.L. Moody, was asked to have a campaign in England. I'll close with this story. And one of the older pastors protested. How do we need this Mr. Moody? He's uneducated. He's inexperienced. Who does he think he is? Does he have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And one of the pastors responded, no. The Holy Spirit does have a monopoly on D.L. Moody. Does the Holy Spirit have a monopoly on your life? If He fills you, are you ready to do whatever it is He's wanting you to do with that filling? If not, you've got to ask yourself, why? Why am I not ready? Why am I not willing? Why am I not experiencing all the Bible says is meant to be mine in Christ? Because everything we've talked about, about the Holy Spirit and what He does, And more. That is part and parcel of the Christian life. It's not an extra that we buy later. That is meant to be who we are and how we are from the moment we're saved. We grow in it for sure. But we are meant to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-led. Experience the fullness of the Spirit always, always in our life. The Holy Spirit works all throughout our salvation. He works to bring us to Jesus. He works to make us like Jesus. He works to lead us to serve Jesus. Every disciple of Jesus should be able to recognize the work, the filling, and the fullness of the Spirit in their life. If you can't point to specific ways the Holy Spirit is working beyond conviction, something's wrong. Because that's just one part of what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. We should be able to see all of those things evidenced in our lives. And if we can't, we need to use this time to cry out to the Lord. Ask why if we don't know. Deal with God about those questions. Do God, do I really want this? Do I really believe this? Am I? Maybe I'm not ready to serve you. Maybe you already know. And if you know What's holding you back. Confess that. Cry out for God to fill you. With the Holy Spirit. And then be ready to get up and leave here. And go and do immediately. Whatever God would have you to do. Not not next week. Not next month. Not next year. The Holy Spirit says go here. Do this right now. Then right now. Immediately. Go and serve Jesus. Let's bow our heads. We'll have a time to respond. And and in this time, cry out to the Lord on your own. Then when we're through, I'll pray and close us out.